Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. You're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Good evening. You're listening to Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. We thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy another exciting episode of our show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Dina Mark. It's the last Monday in March. Man, time is really flying. But um, looking over the news, man, and I think we're going to have to try to find some more people, some different people to put in office because some of these reports just don't make any sense. Um, I'm looking at one article. It says Lindsey Graham said he'd rather shoot up his constituents and helped them through the natural disaster. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, facing a torrent of criticism for saying that he owned an AR-15, that he would shoot a gang outside of his house in a hypothetical natural disaster situation. Now, Graham made the remarks during an interview with Chris Wallace on Fox News, and the South Carolina senator responded to a question from Wallace about the debate over assault weapons being used in mass shootings. Um, it doesn't, you can't make this stuff up, man. Like you would rather shoot a quote unquote gang of people than to help them. I'm, I'm quite sure in a natural disaster situation, everybody is on edge. Everybody is upset and different things like that. But dang, man, it, it doesn't, it's, it's lost. And then in other news, Pete, Judge slammed for suggesting the mileage tax to fix roads. Now, he's the transportation secretary. And he's come up with a novel idea on how to repair the neglected roadways around the country, which would be a tax on mileage driven. And he's getting dragged. The former presidential candidate said the Biden administration is noodling on the idea and is showing a lot of promise. Here's the criticism. It's unfair to people who live in rural areas. 
because they have to drive further by necessity than urban dwellers. But more fundamentally, a malice tax in big cities like L.A., New York City, and Chicago, and on and on, hit middle and lower income people harder than people who are well-to-do and can live smack in the middle of their city. People who are not well-off typically move to suburbs far, far away from the city center. Now, Buddha Judge has already been nicknamed Pothole Pete, and he has a tough job to sell. The infrastructure plan will cost $3 trillion. The term infrastructure has been redefined broadly to include pre-K programs and child care. Now, Megan McCain railed on the plan, saying it would completely screw over low-income folks. It actually would screw over a whole lot of people. I mean, we think about just driving to work every single day and, and where we go and how we get around. So you mean to tell me we get taxed on the money that we work for? That's automatically pulled from us. And then once a year, we have to tell you how much we make. So then some of us are taxed again. Where's all this money going? Where in the hell is all this money going to? Because it seems like there's more than enough, as COVID has shown, the country has given out one, two, I think three stimulus checks, even though those dollar amounts are not uh, huge amounts. But when you add it up times the number of individuals that they cut those checks to, that's a lot of money. Now, if you stop giving the money away to those other countries and all of those foreign aid programs that you have, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's like, well, damn, you could do so much more with the money that you already have for the people in this country. But in the interest of, quote, unquote, diplomacy, then these other countries get the benefit. So we get taxed again. Doesn't make sense. We didn't vote you into office to tax and tax and taxes because it's just where is the money going? You know, and, and not only that, conservative groups are writing GOP voter suppression bills, spending millions of dollars to pass it, more money being wasted for uh, things that are basic rights for those who are in this country. You know, Republican state lawmakers who have ruled out more than 250 bills to restrict ballot access in more than 40 states, largely in response to President Donald Trump's false claims about election fraud, are receiving financial backing from an unusual coalition of Christian and small government groups. The Family Research Council, the Susan B. Anthony List, and the American Principles Project, all faith-based nonprofits, are spending millions to boost a Republican-led effort to restrict voting in dozens of states after the party lost the White House and the Senate amid record turnout and mail-in voting. Meanwhile, libertarian-leaning groups like Freedom Works, Heritage Action, the political arm of the Heritage Foundation, and Tea Party Patriots are also planning an eight-figure investment to back the effort, which already has seen 253 restrictive bills introduced in 43 states, according to a Brennan Center for Justice analysis. 
Heritage Action also plans to team with allies like the American Legislative Exchange Council to craft modern legislation for state lawmakers to adopt. The bills being introduced are similar and with good reason, said Representative Colin Allred, a Democrat out of Texas, a civil rights attorney who has worked on voting rights cases across the country. The RNC and National Republican groups have drafted best practices for voter suppression that state legislatures can use. Now, Trump stoked unfounded fears about mail-in voting without any evidence for months before the election as he floundered in the polls. He continued to claim that the election was somehow rigged or stolen after his loss, but failed to provide any evidence, losing every legal battle in the process. Trump's claims raised tens of millions from his supporters, though he spent just a small fraction of that on actual legal costs while dropping far more on fundraising ads and pocketing the rest for his super PAC. Now his conservative allies are targeting donors who bought into his false election claims, justifying their push by citing voter concerns about election integrity. Crazy thing about that is, had they won the election, mail-in voting was a success. It works. It's you know everybody's a sore loser. Man, you lost. Stay out of D.C. Stay out of our lives. You had your chance. You ruined the country, and um, now you suck. And everybody that that's going with that election fraud, they suck right along with you. And that's the sort of my my own, and, and not speaking for a straight talk with Dana Mark. But anyway, it's the six man Dean Geronimo. <laughs> It's Monday night, y'all, and from NJ to NC, I'm in the studio with my right-hand man, Mark Lee. So, Mark, tell me what's good in your neck of the woods, my brother. Well, one, I just came back from getting a haircut because I was tired of looking like McGruff, so I just went to the barber shop <laughs> earlier today and got that much-needed haircut because I was tired of looking like McGruff. I was like, nah, this McGruff look is not quite good. And so I'm glad that I got that trim, got a chance to do what we do at barbershops, you know, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It might be about sports. It might have been about the past. But, you know, that's what you do when you go in to check out uh, – things along that nature and everything. So that's one of the things that I did was I went by the barbershop and I stopped by one of my jobs to return a key that I had had, one of those entrance keys. And um, it's not something I've been doing recently. It's been that whole COVID kit thing. So I didn't need the key. So I was returning that. And then I also went and hollered at my buddy at the Carolina Theater, our new executive director, Randy McKay. And it definitely um, was just out and about. It was great weather. I got out and about maybe at around uh, 9 or 10 o'clock, and then I was out till about uh, time for my first podcast. So I was out for about three or four hours, and I can tell you the weather was lovely. People out there walking their dogs, and I was definitely enjoying this fine weather we were having and going like, hey, now this is what I call spring-like weather. Now, we do know that North Carolina and, of course, the East Coast can fool us because we did have some thunderstorms this past weekend, and, of course, we did have some other kind of messy weather as well, I think there might have been some tornadoes hitting in some places and all of that. And we do know that even in March and, yes, in April, that evil cold weather can come in here as well. So until we get to Mayflowers, I'm not really trusting the weather, but I'm going with what we got now, which is good weather in March. And I understand it's going to be good for a few days. But I do know that April can throw some curves at us. And we still got two more days left in March. So I do know that yeah. definitely March and April can throw some curves. So that being known, you just got to know what you're dealing with and deal with it as you can. Because 
just life can throw you all kinds of curves in one form or fashion. And of course, I've been watching a little bit of the basketball, judging some films, because as I told you before, I'm on my second film festival competition. So every time I turn around, they're like, you have new films that have been entered. So I'm like, you know, I think I was at, when I started like 70, and then they're like, new films entered. So we might be at like 130. So it's almost like that, wow. kind of like that trick where, you know, you think that you're getting somewhere, but they keep piling up stuff. So I know that there's an end there eventually, but, you know, it's kind of tricky because you're like, all right, I've watched 20 films. So I've watched, you know, you start doing that fraction game. I've watched 20 out of mm-hmm. 80. I watched 25 films. I'm good. And then, you know, they add another 30 or 40. You're like, okay, so now it's I've watched 20 out of 120. So that's like a whole different percentage. So you're like, right. you know, you got to try to keep up with them until they stop showing the films. The good thing about a film competition is there's this thing called a deadline, which means that as soon as the deadline is met, I know that we'll have an end point, but they do keep adding new films on. But like with any competition, some of the films I've gone and I've been like, this person got some promise. They got some chops in the filmmaking department. Other words, I've been kind of like borrowing your phrase, don't quit your day job because you're not quite yeah. cutting it in all of that. So there have been some right. films I've seen that have been truly amazing and some of them going like, nah, you might need to stick with what you're doing in terms of your day job because I'm not really seeing what you're doing in terms of this filmmaking. And maybe it's just me. Because even in some of my judging criteria, I've told folks, I've been like, you know, there might have been Maybe they saw something I didn't see, but what I saw, I can't give it a high grade. But that's just me, and I'm only one judge. So I, I gave them credit. I said, maybe the other judges will see something that I didn't see. But I know what I saw was not it. But that was just my thoughts on that. <laughs> and, of course, I know we've got NCAA basketball. I have been following the games. I'm not watching them all the way through, but I've watched some definitely some thrillers. I saw I thought that Oral Roberts and that amazing guard, I thought he was going to win. He definitely had a chance to win. He was down, and he dribbled up the court. He threw the shot, and as soon as it left the air, I looked at the trajectory, and I was like, I don't think that's going in him. But that, and I was right. It did not go in, but I know he's had some other amazing victories. He's only a sophomore. I know he's been averaging all kinds of tremendous scoring points. His name is not spelled the way it's pronounced, so definitely I don't know how they get A. Smith out of what looks like Amos or something like that, but somehow they managed to do it in their pronunciations, whatever his family did and all of that. But he is truly an amazing guard, and I expect amazing things from him. Who knows if he'll stay in college another year or two or whether he'll bounce for the pros. But now we're down to the Elite Eight, and tonight uh, we'll be down to the – I don't know. They don't have a name for the six, so I'm going to come up with a name. It's the Sweet 16. We'll call it the Super Six. So we'll be eliminated because <laughs> we head to the well, Final Four. So we will have the Super Six. <laughs> remember remember that the Sweet 16 becomes the Elite Eight. And then the right. Elite Eight become the Final Four. And then after that, you know, it's the National Championship <laughs> game. So, uh, you know. Right. <laughs> but they, but, they but have, things between. There's that in-between period, though, because the Elite Eight, and they're playing two games today, which means that at the end of the day, you still got six teams alive. So I think that we need a new term for that in-between period. I'm calling it the Super Six. <laughs> I hear that. I know one thing. A whole lot of brackets got busted. And, and that's like that every year, man. You know, folks will have who they believe is going to win. The next thing you know, boom. Two games would change your whole bracket after that first week. Oh, 
it's done. You know, the the only way you can have a perfect bracket is to wait until the game start, and then after all of the games are over, fill it in. You know, because that's the only the only way you're gonna be able to to actually uh, get it. I don't think any nobody's ever gotten a perfect bracket. So no, they they said they, they said that they, and this was actually printed earlier today. It was actually printed well last week and everything, and this was before all them upsets and everything. And I agree, there were a number of great upsets. But they said the odds of filling out a perfect NCAA bracket, and remember, this was before the tournament this year. So the odds have probably actually gone even greater. But they said that the odds of creating a perfect bracket are about 1 in 9.2 quintillion numbers that I don't even know what oh, that number oh is. That's a lot of zeros, bro. <laughs> yeah, they said that they, they said that's a, that's a whole lot of zeros. And they say that it has never been done. I think the closest we got was somebody got like maybe 49 of the <laughs> 64. But they say that the odds of creating that perfect bracket, uh, you know, I thought the odds of winning the lottery were crazy. But they say the odds of the perfect bracket are even more crazier than that. So it's not going to happen anytime what I'm reading about these odds of a perfect bracket and you're right this year was just insane because one a lot of teams that usually would be there some of the blue bloods were nowhere to be found there was no Duke there was no Kentucky there were some of the other blue bloods were very ranked like UNC and a couple of others so definitely we're going to have a new champion no matter what and definitely is coming out of a different kind of environment because we've got new bloods and everything and that's definitely going to be totally different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah but they yeah. said that the NCAA tournament has been done for a while, and that's just crazy, the odds of that perfect bracket that it's not going to be happening anytime. And like I said, if it was 9.2 quintillion or whatever this time around, and as many brackets as we busted, maybe it's going to be nine, ten quintillion or whatever the next time around. Because, like I said, I love doing the brackets. I try to do them every year, sometimes in paid competitions, sometimes just for the fun of it and everything. And But I don't think I – no, I've never won one. I did come, I think, maybe close to doing decent on one of them. But it's just fun, like you said, to fill out the tournament, see what the uh, – chance of your team, whoever you pick, winning. And sometimes I'll do, I don't know whether you do this, but sometimes I'll do a bracket that is something that is like my dream bracket, meaning that it's like a team that I root for, like my alma mater, and they weren't even in the tournament this year, but I'll root and put them in the championship, even though they got like little to no chance, but I'll just do that as my dream bracket, particularly in those free ones. And then I'll have the more realistic one where I'm picking teams based on what I know about their squad and their chances of winning and all of that. But definitely uh, that's what I've done, and that is kind of fun to do. I was glad to see that um, we at Marquette just recently picked a great coach, though at least I think it's a great coach, but we have uh, joined and got Shaka Smart. So Shaka Smart will be the coach of the Marquette team, the first African-American coach at my alma mater. So we're definitely looking forward to him doing some great things. He did great things at VCU, and he didn't do too bad except for this year at Texas. So definitely looking forward to seeing what he can do as the new coach and the first African-American coach 
as in terms of head coach at Marquette. I think we've had some that were assistants, but not in the main job. But definitely, I just pulled up the figures. They said one in 9.2 quintillion. So I was right. It was a quintillion is what they said is the odds of creating a perfect NCAA bracket is one in 9.2 quintillion. So I don't even know what something similar to that. The chance of me going to the moon? I don't know. <laughs> but definitely I'm trying to think of something that would be even comparable to that in like real odds or real thoughts and all of that. I can't even think of anything that that's bad. Because, I mean, if you think about the lottery, you think about um, Las Vegas, you think about a number of other things, I think your odds are much better than one in uh, 9.2 quintillion. So I can't even think of anything that is that bad out there other than trying to create a perfect match in terms of perfect March Madness. Because, like I said, that's a lot of things that you would have to be doing that would be similar to that in that realm. Because I can't think of anything that's even close to that in any sort of similarity. Oh, here's one. This is They gave examples. I found an article, and then we're going to get to our guest. I thought we had a guest, too. But they said, getting a raw flush in Texas Hold'em, you have a 1 in 30,940 chance of doing that. So you're getting a raw flush in Texas Hold'em and beating someone who has four aces, you have a 1 in 165 million, uh, one in 165 million chance or winning the Powerball jackpot. You have a 1 in 292 million, because I think I'm looking at my numbers right, 201,338. So you got a better chance of winning a million dollars in the Powerball or winning a million dollars on Wheel of Fortune, which is one out of every 8,988 players. So you actually have a much better chance of winning a million dollars on the uh, Wheel of Fortune than you do of creating a perfect bracket. You know what, man? You got a better chance of jumping off the Sears Tower or the Empire State Building to landing on your feet than you do to get any of those things. So (laughs) it's just one of those things where any game can be your last. So, you know, people like the the game's a chance, and that's why they make so much money. But, you know, no – those payouts are big if you're that lucky, and that's exactly what it is. But we got this person at the at the door, man. Let's find out who, who our guest is for this evening. We're going to open that door right now. Thank you for calling Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. You are now on the line. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Caller, you're on the line. Are we not hearing the caller? Did the caller disappear? Yeah, they just dropped off. So um, well, I guess it's back. Shock. You know, it's, it's one of those shocks to the system, I guess, when you, you've you been sitting here kind of like laid back, and then next thing you know, they're like, hey, what's up? You're on the line. What's like, up? Oh, now, oh, me? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to talk? You know, you know so. that you don't care what we do. That's just wrong. Hey, I don't know though. I, I get like that sometimes, bro. Like I'll sit there and, and I'm sitting there listening, and then it's like, hmm. Oh, it's like hello. I'm listening to y'all. I get lost in, in thought sometimes. So 
I could definitely understand. But hey, Carla, we're waiting for you to uh, drop your knowledge on we'll it. So, you know, call we'll back. We're waiting back. See what happens. Yeah, we're waiting for to call back. See what they've got to say and everything. Oh, well, I just found out who called. So they just sent me an email. So I'm going to read email them back and be like, you were supposed to talk. So I just found out that it was somebody with our public media and everything. So they said that uh, they were wondering where we were. So I'm going to write them right now. See, this is what you can do in real time and be like, uh, we were bringing you in. And can you please call back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were we were ready for you and they probably like, wait a minute. I I turned to some show. I listened to it from the beginning. One guy was talking, then two guys were talking. The next thing you know, seemed like they lost some um you know, lost what was going on because they started saying hello to each other. Who knows what it was? You know. It, <laughs> it can knows? happen. Like, man. It can happen. It can definitely happen. Well, I have just sent them a note and hopefully they will call back and everything and we'll get them on and all of that. By the way, just to tease our audience and all of that, by the way, you bet on the dealer in Baccarat 20 times in a row and win each time. You got a one in 800,000 chance of that happening. So you actually got a better chance of betting on the dealer in Baccarat 20 times and winning each time. Dang. That's a lot, man. That is a whole lot. Damn much. (laughs) You bet. (laughs) Hey, getting the perfect 29 hand in cribbage, you got a 1 in 216,580 chance. See, I'm saying, when I lose, like I said, winning $50,000 playing Plinko. No, I agree. Winning $50,000 playing Plinko on the price of right, you got a 1 in 59,049 chance. So, you got better chances of winning Plinko and all that. Oh, Maxine Paul. Apparently, Paul the Octopus has been on this win streak with the World Cup, at least from since the 2010 World Cup. So Maxine Paul the Octopus's World Cup win streak, you got a 1 in 256 chance. I didn't even know that there was wow. such a thing as Paul the Octopus. This is an older article. This is from a few years ago and everything. So maybe Paul the Octopus is like one of those things where we predict spring, like the... Uh, Groundhog, and maybe Paul the Octopus has not had as much luck as they did back in 2016. But apparently, Paul the Octopus was a thing in terms of soccer. So Paul the Octopus was apparently something that was folks were using as one of their betting tools. I don't know if I want to use an octopus as one of my betting tools in terms of like depending on an octopus to give me the answer. So I'm not sure about that. I haven't met enough octopuses to know whether they're going to be smart enough to be able to tell me the answer. Oh, Dean, while we're waiting to see if this person's going to call us back and everything, or we're just having fun at everything, Paul the Octopus has got, are you ready for this? Paul the Octopus has his own Wikipedia entry. What? (laughs) I just looked it up. Paul the Octopus has his own Wikipedia entry. It says, Paul the Octopus, January 26th to October 26th, of 2010 was a common octopus used to predict the results of association football matches. Accurate predictions in the 2010 World Cup brought him worldwide attention as an animal group, animal oracle. During divinations, Paul's, upke- Paul's keepers would present him with two boxes containing food. 
The boxes were identical, except that they were decorated with different team flags of the competitors in an upcoming football match. Whatever box Paul ate from first was considered his prediction for which team would win the match. His keepers at the Sea Life Center in Upper Hausen, Germany, mainly tasked him with predicting the outcomes of international matches in which the Germany national football team was playing. Paul correctly chose the winning team in four of Germany's six Euro 2008 matches and all seven of their matches in the 2010 World Cup, including Germany's third place playoff win over Uruguay on July 10th. He also correctly chose Spain as the winner of the 2010 FIFA World Cup final. In all, Paul amassed an overall record of 12 correct predictions out of 14, a success rate of approximately 85.7%. So like I said, Paul the Octopus got his own star in the fame and got to predict stuff back in the early, in the middle 2000 teens and everything. So like 2008, 2010 and all that. But I'm just too through. I think you need to go find a squirrel somewhere in New Jersey and see if the squirrel can have that look so that your squirrel can be in the Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, man. Anything. Folks would just depend on anything. You know what? I guess it's weird, though, because, you know, with those uh, Wikipedia pages, you could do what you want with those joints. Like, you could just kind of, like, make your own page right now. Put whatever you want in it, and they can say, wow, you know, Mark Lee... Man, he, he flew a plane and did this, this, and that, you know. And then you'll be like, man, what in that? What's all this stuff right here? And they'll be like, yeah, that, you know, that's Mark Lee, man. And then somebody will see you for real. It's like, did you really fly the plane on the outs- while you were sitting on the outside of the plane? You'll be like, man, where'd you get that from? You know, so it, it's sometimes they'll say, don't, don't um, really... Uh, Go buy all of that stuff because it'll it'll get you. It'll get you every time, cause all kinds of problems and all of that. And you'll be sitting there going like, I can't believe that they actually told me this, but they did. They told me this madness, and you're sitting there going like, I just can't believe that they said this in any form or fashion or another, and all of that. So definitely, I'd love to hear your thoughts, and then I'm going to get off this phone and call the guest, because I think it was Tracy Lamore that was trying to reach us, and she's got all kinds of amazing artists and stuff that she's working with. So I might have you put on one of your um, one of our music bits, but in the meantime, as I get ready to dig up and dig, call this number and everything, what is your thoughts about what was going on in Georgia? How are you going to stop people from bringing you water and food? You know what? It, it still goes way back to, you know, that Voting Rights Act still doesn't have to be, like, recertified every 20 years or something weird like that. And so now, it's just a, a weird offshoot of that. Like, you say we do have the right to vote, but then you have to re reconsider. It's nothing to reconsider. Either we can vote or we cannot vote. So now they're putting restrictions on it. You know, they started with the, you know, for some people who, and I don't understand how you don't, but, you know, if you don't have your ID, you can't vote. So now they have these new restrictions, and it's like, all right, well, people that are waiting in line. You can't give them food or drink. What are you going to do if someone is 
is diabetic. You know, um, some people some people like going to the polls. I I voted by mail for the last twenty one years. You know, as far as when those elections come around, your local elections, your state elections, and your federal elections. So I, I've been a vote by mail person for over two decades, man, and, and it's for me more convenient. I don't have to go and. You know, I think what did it for me, I went to the polling place and stood in the line. And then when I got up there, you know, the, the poll worker was like, oh, you're not registered to vote. And I was like, no, nah, I'm sorry. You're, you're mistaken on this one because I can see my name. I, I see my name. And you just keep bypassing it, bypassing it. So, you know, a lot of people don't want to cause a problem because... You know, that's just the nature of people. But I happen to be one of the individuals that, you know, I don't mind confrontation, especially when I know what I'm right. And I was like, you know, I need your supervisor. Well, I, you have to get out the line. I got to no, you're going to get me a supervisor like right now. I will cause a scene, whatever it may be. But what I'm going to do before I leave here is cast my vote, you know. And so then the supervisor came over, showed him my ID, and they finally oh, well, here's your name. I know that's my name. I, I'm not dumb. I, I've had my name my entire life. You know, so went in, finally, after all of that, and I was able to vote when I walked out of there. I was like, I got to vote by mail. There's no way in the hell I can do this. You know, and I don't understand, and I, I, I don't understand why it's happening now. I give credit to all of our elders and those who have now become ancestors for dealing with that kind of madness, especially when they had, like, the poll tax and, you know, you, you have to prove to us you can read and, and comprehend before you can vote. You know what? Fuck your vote. That, that's how you feel like they're telling you that by putting all these conditions to all these things. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, not fuck my vote, fuck you. Because at some point, you have to stop trying to be controlling. Okay, y'all are mad because the one you idolize and bow down to or whatever lost the election. Should have never won the first one. Wasn't qualified, but when you have more people, and it's like that in a lot of places, when you beg people for your vote and you promise them stuff that you know you can't deliver on, and they're dumb enough to believe you, then you can make it into an office like that. But So now we've seen what blind faith and stupidity has done and it's it's like an extension of it now they're, they're still wanting to you know put conditions on it hey y'all get your vote by mail stuff man stop messing with these folks go ahead cash your vote and, and keep it moving like all of you know you, you won't have to worry about food and, and drink in the comfort of your home choosing your selections putting a stamp on it and sending it or dropping it off directly at the Board of Elections and, and getting past all of the the silly games that are being played because now it's just just dumb. You know, just dumb. We'll see yeah, it's very dumb, but I think that's right. Yes, I think the guest is back, so let's see if we can bring our guests on and see what they've got to say about the different things that they're involved in as well. All right, let, let's do this one more time. Caller Phone number ending in five eight eight one. You are now on the line with Straight Talk with Dana Mark. Tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Hello, hello. Is that me? That's you. That's you. How are you doing? Oh, hello. 
This is Tracy Lamori, the publicist in, in, well, right now I'm in Canada. If it wasn't COVID, I'd be all over the place, but I've been uh, home in Canada for the last year. <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about it. I know we've definitely talked and you've been on a couple of my other shows, including on the, the streaming podcast and everything, but definitely share with our radio audience and our uh, radio podcast audience about where you are in the Canada and what you're doing. I know you've been involved in a number of things, including working with some amazing artists and all of that. But if you would share a little bit about your story and about your uh, world and everything, I'm sure that our audience would love to know more about uh, Tracy Lamore and who the amazing Tracy Lamore is. So, yeah, so basically my bio says I'm an international award-winning publicist. I work globally, literally across industries. I work with entertainers, filmmakers, authors, public speakers, you know, musicians, all that fun stuff. Um, I also work with small businesses and entrepreneurs of all, experts of all kinds. And I started doing all this. I'm kind of famous for having um, started my career. I didn't mean to start a career. Basically, I started to write a press release 25 years ago to help the world get to know about an innocent man who was on death row at that time in Pennsylvania, which started a 20-year journey uh, called the Justice for Jimmy campaign before he was ultimately released in 2017 on evidence of innocence. Now he's free, and he's an R&B artist about to get signed and do, you know, he was on a panel with Naughty by Nature and Ja Rule talking about police accountability in America and all kinds of stuff. But that's how I learned to write a question 20 years ago. I never meant to, you know, build a career over it. But 15 years later, it suddenly hit me, hey, the skills that I've uh, learned dealing with media in that advocacy work, I could actually build a career out of and kind of teach other people how to deal with media. So now that's what I do. I do messaging for people who anybody who needs to get a message out basically um and i don't work with governments i don't work with giant corporations because i like the messaging to remain ethical you know where i have an actual person that's responsible for what we're dealing what we're saying not something that changes every two weeks the way the wind blows the way politicians do <laughs> so that's what i do yeah, yeah. And, um, I, you know i yeah, don't have the term public I'm sorry. One thing I was going to say is that one thing I was going to add to that is that case that you were involved in actually plays into something I was actually going to bring up to Dean and everything. I was just wondering your thoughts about it with that being one of your main clients and everything. But definitely we do know that the police officers that um, were the people behind the death of George Floyd, their trial is going on right now. A lot of people are waiting to see how that trial is going to turn out and what the response of the country will be once the trial is over. But I was just wondering your thoughts about just police accountability in general, as you did work with this gentleman for a number of years, and you probably have some thoughts around police accountability and around definitely around Black Lives Matter as well. But definitely I was just wondering your thoughts about police accountability as we do know that the trial of that gentleman that had yeah. uh, the person behind the George Floyd death, Derek Chavon, is going on right now and everything. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a lack of police accountability in America and prosecutor accountability as well. Um, if people were actually, 
you know, tried and convicted based on the harm that they, they do, obviously these kind of actions would be a lot less. And, you know, what, you, what we see on the streets in terms of the action of police is the same kind of stuff we see behind closed doors, you know, or behind the doors that not everybody's looking at in terms of the way prison guards act and even in terms of the way prosecutors act in America. So, yeah, the whole justice system. I was asked... You know, one time they asked me, hey, they said, oh, you're a person of great influence. If you could have one wish or make one change that would affect the greatest number of people in the whole world, out of all the different things you could wish for, what would a change be? And they were surprised when I said, well, I would do a complete overhaul of the American criminal justice system. They expected me to say, you know, feed the starving children or world peace or something. And I was like, no, no, you have no idea what goes on in the name of justice yeah. in America. And and certainly, race, you know, race is a huge issue when it comes to that. Like, it, it's, it's and, terrifying and nauseating. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just wondering how that compares with Canada. I know that Dean actually works out of the correction system, and he may have some thoughts and some questions for you about that as well. But definitely, I was just wondering as to how you feel that that compares to, say, Canada. And then I know that we had actually talked about um, – in our past conversations about what's going on with the cannabis industry and how a lot of that is becoming corporatized and all of that. But yeah, right now I'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. about. In terms of justice, I mean, you know, we like to point fingers at America, but certainly Canada is no, you know, no angel in a lot of the stuff. And then when you talk about the justice system here, our biggest issue is first nations, Aboriginal, you know, native people. And um, the way that they have been treated in our justice system is to this day is, is unconscionable. So, yeah, we certainly have a lot to, to not be proud of in that regard as well. Um, in terms of cannabis, I'm, you know, I'm thrilled that we're legal coast to coast and that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're I guess, the first Western nation to be federally legal coast to coast. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the rollout, you know, they never get everything exactly right. And there's been quite a, a corporate takeover. What we see in the last couple of years is it's not the people, with some exception, it's not the people who built the industry in terms of the people who advocated for legalization or the people that, you know, or even the people who advocated for the medical cannabis that we're seeing profit from and now what we're seeing now is big boardrooms that have been taken over that now look like boardrooms in any other industry and shockingly in Canadian boardrooms and I think in America too they're saying the cannabis industry you know in terms of the legal cannabis corporate it's basically been taken over by you know people who three years ago were in the real estate or were in law or were in all these other industries but the shocking part is now we're seeing 90 Seven percent white men in the boardrooms of cannabis, and that's shocking on so many levels. In Canada, having been in the industry for ten years, number one, just addressing the, the obvious is the race issue. I mean, partly, you know, partly because people have not wanted in the past to stick their necks out before it was legal. You know, it was easier for white people to be like loud, proud advocates when they didn't already have targets on their back and they weren't already dealing with police harassment for 50 other issues, right? So, you know, a lot of people that were, like, you know, loudest about, about you know, cannabis and so forth because they had the privilege to be loudest about it where, you know, some of the people that profited. But also in terms of also um, women, like in the Canadian cannabis industry, it really was a lot of the, the, the people who brought us to where we are today, the big names, were women. And so to see those statistics being all men and all white, like to the point of 97% was actually 
like was actually shocking because here we are building a new industry, a brand new industry, and that's still what we end up with. We got we got some issues, <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. And another thing that I was curious to hear your thoughts around, and of course I definitely want to hear about your thoughts around women's rights and uh, being a woman influencer and everything. But one of the other things that we're hearing more about the southern side of the border, but I imagine there's some of the same issues are on the northern side. So I was just wondering your thoughts about um, immigration both into Canada as well as out of Canada, because I know here in the United States there's been a number of stories around what's going on with um, our Mexican border and a lot of the kids that are coming across the border oftentimes yeah. are not accompanied in shocking numbers by adults and all of that. But some people are also saying that that's tied into human trafficking, which I know is something that you also had some dealings with in some of your advocacy work and all. But I was just wondering your thoughts about definitely the borders and also just about in general the whole concept of immigration, either to from Canada from Canada and particularly in this COVID era? Well, I, I would absolutely think immigration, I mean, I, you know, immigration to me is a strength to the country that's receiving the immigrants. I'm grateful, exceedingly grateful that I grew up in Toronto, which is one of the most multicultural cities in the entire world, like bar none. We call it diversity and we're not joking when we say, and of course, you know, that doesn't mean structure. It doesn't mean there's no, that, that you know, the, the power elites still are, you know, like we said, the white men or whatever. But when it comes to, you know, the people that live in the city and the people that we go to school with and the people that are our friends and the people that we work with and, you know, when you, I love to, I love to, to point out to people that are from Toronto, <laughs> this is how it is in Toronto. If you go on a bus in Toronto and there is 20 people on the bus, you know, tell me if you look at that crowd. Who is, you know, if we actually have um, a, a, a minority or majority population? Because we don't. Because in 20 people, you'll see there'll be five white people, five black people, five Arab guys, five Chinese guys. <laughs> you know, like literally that. And that's what I love. That's what I grew up with. To me, that's the norm. When I go to a small community, whether in America or in Canada, you know, like a small town where there, it isn't like that. I'm on. I'm a white girl. I feel uncomfortable. I, I feel literally like, where's the rest of the town, and when's that weird meeting that you? So I, I, to me, the norm is people from everywhere, and that is, it's a strength. I mean, we are privileged and blessed to get to eat food from every culture, to get to learn from every culture, to get to. Do you know what I mean? So that can only make you stronger. It is a small-minded people who say things like. Oh, they're taking my job. Well, you know what? Then improve your skills. <laughs> Instead of being on Twitter complaining about the immigrants, you know, improve your skills maybe. And, and instead of, and we always laugh at that here when you see, you know, racists yelling about people taking their jobs. You know, it's not the other people taking your job. It's the fact that no one wants to hire you when you're that kind of small-minded, problematic person. You think I'm going to hire this racist redneck who can't deal with other people in the workplace? No. I'm going to hire somebody, you know, that's reasonable and has skills and can work with other populations. So, yeah, people, I, I think immigration is, is a huge positive. It's not a negative. Anything that it takes, you know, any tax, whatever, any benefit that immigrants get, they give back a thousand times. No, I definitely agree with you on that. One of the other things I was curious about, um, we, me and Dean were teasing about the NCAA and uh, definitely talking about sports earlier and everything. So I imagine, that, uh, do you still have a little bit, and I'm just going to put this as a teasing question and everything, do you still have a little bit of uh, 
angst or uh, upset at the fact that Kawhi Leonard is still over there in Los Angeles when he brought y'all that championship there in Toronto? Because I know that there was a lot of unity <laughs> around the fact of that championship and everything. But now he's over there in Clipperland. Right? <laughs> well, you know, I've decapped enough. To, I'm a Canadian girl. This is where my heart is. But, like, I tell you, when it was, you know, non-COVID, I'm over there with the palm trees quite often myself. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. What has been your perception of the way that people are thinking of, particularly there in Canada, of the United States, both when that other person was in 1600 and now that Biden is there? What is your kind of assessment of how Canada is viewing the United States yeah, now? I think and right now we're just really relieved that it seems less crazy. Like, whatever America's people are complaining, if they don't like Biden, whatever the state's going down there, we don't care. Like, what we care about here is it doesn't seem insane anymore. You don't have some, like, absolute madman who's, like, a lunatic, hardcore racist. I don't know what that was. Like, I'm still in shock. You know, I'm, I'm honestly still in shock. And he was like, oh, it's insane. It's honestly insane. You know, we still can't believe he was actually elected and that we, we were, as a world, were exposed to all that. I mean, from the beginning to the end. So, and most people here, too, people were literally saying here, like, you know that wall Trump was talking about with Mexico? People were joking, saying, put the wall up on this side of the border, please, and keep the crazies in America. We don't want you. That's what people were saying up here. <laughs> you know, like, honestly, people did not, like, and now it's more, like, there's just less commentary right now. I think people are just ah, breathing out. Like, it was almost like we were the neighbor of the beast for so long, and what kind of effect, and what's happening, and what's he going to do next, and, you know, and now we're just like, ah, okay, we can... Take a breath now. It's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna be like a fire at the border or something. Like, yeah, that breath is definitely needed, and all of that, and it definitely it seems like that's been a great relief internationally and all. What has been the ways that you feel that Canada has been doing in terms of addressing COVID, and do you think that uh, the U.S. is doing as good, or we're we about on the same plane in terms of both? Um, handling COVID, whether that's wearing the mask and socially distancing, and also this whole push for vaccinations and everything. But how do yeah. you think that your country is doing, and how do you think it's doing in comparison to the U.S. and the rest of the world? At the beginning, it's like we were like we were ahead of the game, and you guys were. America was just like way behind. Everyone was like, "Man, no one wants to go there because the numbers are so far up and things are crazy." And now, in terms of vaccinations, you guys are definitely ahead of us. We have only got the rollouts. In, and I'm in Ontario, and in Ontario, I just went and looked, you know, you went, you go and look on the site to see if we're, if we available, you know, our age group or whatever is available yet. No, right now it's only seniors, frontline workers, you know, whatever else. So they're doing all those people, and then they're going to say when it's going to be available for people in my age group. Whereas I know stateside, all my friends and clients are getting their vaccinations now, so in terms of the vaccination rollout and ours are all going to be free of course right but like it seems they're i think part of the reason that it's slow is because they signed on to them the moderna and the uh pfizer ones the one that has to be refrigerated the two dose ones which um yeah they're quick they're more you know they're not as quick so they're not if they have the johnson and johnson one which i think is a more traditional vaccine that people can just you know boom 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 you will get to 70 dollars in america you know it would be a lot quicker but right now they roll out for the vaccines 
you know, so it seemed like they were pretty, we were probably more on track with people listening to the, you know, masks and all that, but with the vaccine well on, it's, it's slower. And I imagine that the vaccination will be probably following within, you know, socialized medicine, because I do know that Canada has got socialized medicine. So I imagine yeah. that he, it'll be, um, some of it is free, but then there are some that have different costs and everything. But I do imagine oh, that there it will be. All, all, the, all the vaccines will be free. All that stuff's free here. It's, that's probably, you know, maybe that's why it's taking a bit longer, you know, who knows. But, um yeah, so we, I wouldn't expect to pay, but you know, like I, I wouldn't mind paying seventy-five bucks to go to go for the vaccine. Normally, I'm happy to have the socialized medicine, but in this case, I wouldn't. If it was an option to just pay a hundred bucks and have it over with instead of waiting, you know, I would like to do it. You know, in this case, it's so you can get rid of all that hold up about airplanes or whatever the issues are going to be. But yeah, we won't. I, I'm, you know, super grateful about our med. Don't even tell you our medical program is bad because I just had some medical issues. And, you know, just a little fear here and there, go get tested. And I went and they put me through all kinds of tests. I'm thinking, gee, all of this test, that test, you know, and I just don't, I don't even think anything of it, right? Because it's, it's, I just show my card and it's free, my own card, which is Ontario Health Card. And um, then I had to go get some dental work done the next week. And just a tiny bit of dental work. And dental is not covered under our health care just because for some reason when they set up a health care 50 years ago the you know government voted and they decided not to include dental so ever after it's not included even though now we know dental is as important a part of health as your heart right it's all it's all connected but anyways so i went and got dental here i am going and getting not all this you know all these tests and all this medical and not even thinking and a second, days and days of tests and blood work and blood. don't have to think of anything of it. Then I go for one afternoon for like two hours at the dentist and I come out with a seven hundred dollar phone, a seven hundred dollar bill for four X-rays and some work, right? And I'm thinking, how much did it just? How much does the government just pay for the other testing I just did? <laughs> you know, so it, it makes you appreciate that kind of thing for sure. Yeah, definitely. I can understand that, appreciate that and everything. Now, one thing that Dean's been involved in is definitely with the hip-hop community being an ambassador of sorts, and I'll let him tell you about that for Ninth Wonder and some of the things that he's doing in terms of releasing some great artists like Rhapsody and a number of other ones as well under the Ninth label and some of the things that he's involved in. But I would just love to hear your thoughts about the hip-hop community and some of the artists that you're working with and how hip-hop is doing there in Canada. But I'll let Dean tell you a little bit about what he's doing as a um, street warrior for a ninth company, and then we'll hear your thoughts about the music okay. that you're working with and how hip-hop is doing and all of that. So, Dean, we got a new person that needs to learn what you're doing with ninth. So definitely share a little bit about that, and then we'll get into her thoughts about hip-hop in Canada. Okay, well, you know, we're I'm a part of the uh, what is called the Internet Special Operations Team the part of Jamla Records that promotes the artists and the um, the DJs that are a part of the collective, such as Rhapsody, uh, Ian Kelly, Ruben Vincent, GQ, Heather Victoria. Those are the the artists, um, and then you have, you know, the Soul Council, which is Crisis, E Jones, Cash, Eric G. Uh, 
Knots, and a couple of other beat makers. So what we do is we, we promote the the squad, if you will, you know. Um, Very cool. You know, I, I forgot Amp, can't forget Amp. He's also one of the other beat makers. So that that is the collective coming out of North Carolina, uh, bringing that real hip-hop back, you know, that we say uh, Soul Council is the sound, Jam is the squad. Very cool. Very cool. Definitely. And that's out of North Carolina? That's based out of North Carolina. Carolina. Yep. Very cool. I got to check that out. Here in New Jersey. But definitely check them out. But definitely I'd love to hear your thoughts about some of your artists and some of the artists that you're working with. So if you want to tell us a little bit about what their whole view is and yeah, how they so are involved in your mouth, I'd love to hear about them. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny. I work with music right from literally, you know, such a, from hip-hop to like today to, and this is really a classic. I mean, talk about OG. hundred years ago, do you remember the song? Oh, do you remember the song? <laughs> I mean, you probably, from movies or the phrase, uh, a good man is hard to find. So that originally came from a 1918 song was by a black artist who in those days was, a, he considered himself like a, a, a singer comedian, but he was a, a, he owned a studio. He was a radio guy. He was, you know, the huge named Eddie Green. He was in movies later. This was in 1918. So I, I, my work runs from his daughter who wrote a book about him. So this is 1918 classic about like not just black American history, but cultural history, inter- American history, you know, entertainment history. And his daughter, and that going back to 1918, right now to a Canadian artist called Count Classy, who's, you know, a hip-hop artist that I'm promoting right now that's getting some major play. Uh, another artist called Flame Beats, who's out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and he's got a brand new song. Uh, and and then in terms of R&B, Jimmy Dennis, who I mentioned, the guy that, you know, was on Death Row for 20 years, and he came out and he's now an R&B artist with some music that's getting some serious play. And then not hip-hop, but um, so I, I still feel like I should mention her whenever I'm talking about music is 13 year old and I don't work with little kids and pop artists and whatever this is a, a, a true artist at 13 years old who I met when she wrote a song about Black Lives Matter last year called Make It Right and she was performing just a daughter of a friend performing it at a, a, a little local event here in Canada and I was like whoa can that kid play that song again because at first they said oh can, you know we'll bring a daughter you know, dot a kid to the event and she'll play a song. I thought, oh, that would be cute. And then this little girl played this song. We were like, whoa. And so since then, I've sent it to media around the world. She's been on Australian television all over the States and a bunch of places. And, uh, and you know, people are really impressed with her artistry, not just as a, as a, as an interesting and important message. So, yeah, so that's some of the music that I've been working with lately. She's like, all Good. of them have Sounds to like yeah, it sounds like you definitely work with artists that are trying to make a statement. And I know that a lot of what you do, even in your PR, is about making statements and things of that nature. I was just wondering how important do you think it is for us as a people in general to try to use our platforms, whatever those platforms are, whether that's radio, whether that's uh, newspaper, whether that's film, whether that's music, to make statements. So how important do you think it is for artists to be activists as well? Well, you know, not even just artists, but I think there's a, there's an old, I was one of the, actually old black American female writers, I don't remember which one, I don't want to misquote her, but there's an amazing quote. It says, so not just artists, but everybody. 
it says that activism is the rent that we pay for living on this planet. So I think that's true of everybody. We all should be using our platforms. You know, when I do what I speak as an entrepreneur and all these business focused shows where people are all about money and business and success and all that, I always end up being like, okay, so once you do all this stuff that I'm telling you about how to do, how to get success, how to get your platform, how to be noticed, then what? Hopefully you use that money that you make in those platforms that you get, you know, to also do some good, whether it's, it doesn't have to be about the things I care about. Maybe it's not about death row. Maybe it's not about this. Maybe it's not about feeding, feeding, or, you know, feeding starving children. Whatever it is that you look at in the world and you think you can make a difference at, do that thing. Because we are, you know, I like, I think that, yeah, that author put it best when she said that. It's, it's the rent we pay, we pay for living on this planet. And that's it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and everything. What are some of the things, and I want to get back to the activism thing in a minute, but what are some of the things that you think folks have a misconception about, about old Canada and Canada in general? You can say you've been born there and you definitely have lived there for a number of years and you've worked in a, a variety of fields, but a lot of it in uh, that whole marketing and uh, public relations field. But what are some of the misconceptions you think people have about first Canada? And then I'm curious about misconceptions about public relations, but uh, we'll start with misconceptions about Canada. Well, Canada, as everyone will say, oh, well, you guys are used to the cold. It's always cold. It's not always cold. It's like New York. New York is cold, like, you know, five months, three months, four months of the year, and the rest of the time it's, you know, fall or spring or really, really hot. <laughs> and that's what it's like here. June, July, really, really hot. <laughs> not desert hot, but, you know, humid hot. So, we're basically the same weather as New York and Chicago. So, yeah, it gets really cold. It gets really windy. We get a lot of snow, but not all year long. That's one thing. No igloos. <laughs> uh, and in terms of PR, I think the term public relations, PR, you know, that, that it, I almost don't like that but that word, the phrase, you know, because even though I use it, obviously, it's what I do, but, but it's, it sounds like spin. Public relations, it makes you think that someone has done something wrong. And so now they need to correct it with the public, you know. So I always like to say that, you know, what I do is more about amplifying and is celebrating and elevating is a little phrase I made up, what other people are doing, the good work other people are doing. So that's what I do, celebrate and elevate the good work that, uh, that others do. Yeah, but that's definitely what it seems like you're doing on a regular basis is celebrating and amplifying and all of that and more and more of that needs to be going on and everything. When do you think you were you the kid that was always in the public relations or do you think it's something that happened to you later in life? Was this something that you always thought you would do? Were you that outgoing kid or just almost totally opposite of how you were when you grew up and even your folks now are shocked that you do this kind of work? Uh, kind of a combination of both. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I, I remember being shy. People say I was never really shy, so I, not, I always stood up for myself and others for sure. But I never saw PR as a career. I never went to school for this. It literally came from I learned, you know, learning. I literally learned how to write a press release because I wanted the world to know about an innocent guy who was literally getting sentenced. He was under sentence of death with an execution date, and he didn't do it. And that's when we came in, and we were just like desperate to figure out how to help them. And we didn't have money. We weren't lawyers. We didn't have a PR firm. So all we could do was get the information out. So my husband learned how to make a website, and I learned how to write a press release. <laughs> and that's what happened. Wow. 
and I said I was going to ask you this earlier, but this month, and we've still got two more days to go into it, has been Women's History Month, just like February was Black History Month and everything. So as a woman entrepreneur, how do you feel you as women are doing in general? Because I know a lot of times there's a lot of complaints still about pay inequities throughout the world, not just in the United States, but throughout the world, and also not necessarily getting the kind of respect you needed in various jobs. But I was just wondering how you uh, – feel about yeah, women equity and sure. in the corporate track and i know like you know when when i talk to clients who are women who are you know going in front of investors for example they have you know they surprise me by telling me that I, and these are women who would not they say hey i even hate to say this because i wouldn't normally think this and i wouldn't normally bring attention to the fact that i'm a woman and i want to be treated the same as everyone else kind of thing but they've i've heard from more than one woman when it comes to getting investment in that world, the high finance world, that they're still really have trouble dealing with that world in terms of people taking them seriously. Like, you know, they'll, they'll talk to their lesser partner or their lesser employee, you know, when the, when the business owner is right there <laughs> and she's a woman. So, yeah, there definitely is still, are still challenges in terms of high finance and that kind of thing. And I guess in the corporate world, we have to um, – Ask someone else, you know, for advancement. There's always a chance that whether it was, you know, they'll see someone else, whether it's for issues of, you know, because they'll advance the client instead or they'll advance the white client instead of the black guy. Who knows? That's why I don't like the corporate world. I mean, my, I'm a fat girl with bright red hair, and 20 years ago when I was applying for jobs, half the jobs wouldn't hire me probably if I wanted to because I had the bright red hair. I mean, dyed hair, and I'm not going to change it. So it wouldn't be. I wouldn't be in that job. You know what I mean? I would instead. So I don't. I didn't take that corporate track. So because I didn't take that corporate track, and because I'm a full scheme ahead kind of girl, I'll show you what I can do, kind of girl. You know, it hasn't kept me back. But I think if you're living in, a, if you're in a world where you have to worry about, you know, asking other people to advance to you, like in the corporate world, you probably have those situations more. Yeah, I only have definitely. two more minutes, guys. Because I have uh, no, no going into another show about Jimmy, about that death row story, actually. He's being interviewed right now on a, a radio station. And then after that, they're interviewing me about the whole crazy death row trajectory story. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, I appreciate you. Able, you know, I appreciate you able to join us. And I definitely had a, just a couple of quick questions during that time. And then me and uh, Dean will wrap everything up during the course of our conversation. And maybe some other people will call in as well. But one of the things I was getting ready to ask you is what are some of the things that you learned during your helping your um, death row person that shocked you that you were not expecting to learn? Because I'm sure that as you went through that whole process, that there were things that you were surprised by. I mean, you definitely talked about the yeah. nature of the criminal justice system, but I was just wondering if there were any specific examples of things that you learned that surprised you at everything. And the other thing I was going to ask you, which I try to ask all my guests on just about all my shows, any any words of encouragement or positivity that you would like to share with our global audience? So definitely those are Absolutely. two things that I'll work on my mind. Yeah, for sure. The last one first, that um, Jimmy Dennis, who's the guy, in, and again, if you guys want to go and search all streaming platforms, because now that he's free, he's an R&B artist, now I'm his publicist, so he's not, used to be, I was the activist, he was the death row prisoner, now he's a musician on the publicist, so Jimmy Dennis on all streaming platforms, but um, what got him five years of death row, other than the music he was listening to over and over in his head, and the songs he was playing in his head, you know, 
is that he always said never, never give up. And when somebody on death row for 25 years, it's not easy to say never, never give up as a, a mantra, you know, that got him through that. So that's, a, I, you know, hold that. I, I always hold that as a positivity thing. But even when he gets depressed and PTSD and bummed out and everything, I always say to him, and this is the positive that I give to everybody, we didn't get this far to only get this far. So for him, I mean, your story doesn't end until you get a Grammy. Because <laughs> if you did, you got all this far, you didn't, you know, you're going to keep going. But really, for, for everybody, whether you're where you want to be right now, whether things are going well right now, or like I always say, whether, you know, you felt like jumping off a bridge yesterday, but you didn't. If you're having a really hard time right now, it's depressed, the world's great, you have trouble getting out of bed, whatever it is, keep on going. You didn't get this far to only get this far. You didn't get through all the bullshit of life. You didn't get through all the hard stuff. And everything you've done to now to give up, you just didn't. You have to keep on going. So that. No, I definitely agree with that and everything. Dean, um, and is there anything about the music business that has surprised you? I know that a lot of times people are surprised about the music business, how corporate it can be, even how sometimes certain entities can be the ones in charge. Like I know here in the States, it's Clear Channel, it's Radio One, it's a few others that are very corporate and everything. But now I think that with COVID and with some other things that are going on society, we're seeing more music becoming more open and definitely more musicians becoming more independent. But I was just wondering your thoughts about that. Do you find that you still have to deal with that corporate giant in the music industry? And also do you yeah, think I that the music industry is open? Yeah. Up? When I first got involved, I was really surprised how corporate it was in terms of how much of it is pay to play. Like in terms, you know, these big giant record companies, they get a new artist and they're pushing and they drop a hundred thousand dollars or they drop $20,000 to get them in, to, to actually buy a ticket for them to come to be in the audience at the Grammys sitting next to Jay-Z. So it looks like they're a big star when really they're not. You know, this is it, That is literally how they do their marketing. They create stars that way. Right? So it's, yeah, it, that, that was surprising. But I didn't know that until I got in the game. <laughs> so. Yep, and definitely I'm sure that um, how hard has it been for you to get airplay in the radio station or have you been dependent more with your independent artists on the college stations and the uh, low power yeah, radio stations and the community radio stations really and how yeah other than jimmy dennis you know with college in indie that's really you know with an indie artist really the indie stations college stations, and british stations where they have like in england they have more it's less clear channel it's less corporate you know like you're talking about a corporate game where they decide what's played Nothing worse than that, right, where there's one head office in one part of the country and they decide what's on a, a thousand stations, you know. So but, you, know, you have to know which stations have the autonomy to play their own stuff, and then that's it. So, guys, yeah, I'm down to my last three minutes. i got to get going because i got to click into the other one. But I've been I've really appreciated being on with you, and maybe we can do it again. I can send some, some of these artists to come and talk to you or some of these other clients. I would love it if you would bring some of those clients on to talk to us, and we would love to have a conversation with them and you as well. So anytime that you're available and you can bring those clients in, we've definitely had some other musicians that have shared their story as well. So definitely would love to have you come in and share their story whenever you're available and all of that. So if there's any parting words that you want to leave our audience, then uh, definitely share those parting words. If there are any parting words, that you want to share with our audience before you get ready to bounce out? Again, just that, like, from Jimmy Dennis, never, never give up. And then my addition to that, which is you didn't get this far to only get this far. So 
rough times, but better times ahead. Use your time well. You know, keep on doing what you're doing, and uh, and make plans for the future because it's going to be a good one. And you know what? The Roaring Twenties. Do you know what? The, you know that expression, the Roaring Twenties in the early in the 1920s. The reason they were the right. Roaring Twenties is because everyone was getting out of lockdown from the Spanish flu. So we got good times ahead, man. <laughs> like, it's gonna be a blast. So we're gonna have our own version of the Royal Twenties coming up. We the are. 2020 version of the Royal Twenties. So it's gonna be a blast. If you're depressed about all this isolation, it's gonna be over soon. And we're gonna party. <laughs> so. Okay, guys. Sounds thanks so good. Much, and I will definitely be in touch, and I will send you some people, and let's do this again. Sounds great. Bye, everybody. Bye. So that was uh, Tracy Zamora. He's sharing with us a little bit about her public relations, her background in Canada, and a number of other things as well. I don't know about you, Dean, but I'm sitting there going like, I hope that she's right that we're going to have the Roaring Twenties again, because those Roaring Twenties were like party times and everything. Of course, there was things like Prohibition, I think, during the Roaring Twenties as well. But definitely, hopefully, we're going to get back to having like speakeasies and all kinds of other things going on in the community after we get past this madness that we're in the middle of. Well, you know what? I guess you can bring some things back and keep some things where they were. But it'll be interesting to see. Now, if you do prohibition, you know you're going to have another problem on your hand because that's going to lead to more drama. (laughs) Not the more drama. Yeah, man. Yeah. We're going to have more drama now? It'll be more drama, bro. I don't, you know. I thought we were going to try to avoid this drama thing and everything. Well, if you bring back the twenties, I don't know how how that would how that would look. You know, we are in the twenties now, but the the two thousand and twenty. So, you know, I don't know how would it, how would it look? What would it look like? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it would look like either. You got a good point. You would have to think about what it would look like. What is your song that I had asked um, Tracy when she was on? about what's going on there on the border and everything. Because I was seeing thousands, and I do mean thousands, if not tens of thousands of kids that are literally coming across the border, sometimes unoccupied. And I do sometimes wonder how connected that is to human trafficking. And we've got a couple of guests on in the past that have talked about the fact that human trafficking is bigger than folks like to make it out to be and everything. But I was just wondering your thoughts about this when you're seeing those images of the kids walking across. Well, you know what? You talk about walking across the border. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know what? I Man, they leave them kids alone, man. They're not bothering anybody. They're coming for, obviously, they, their families are, are, are taking a chance to bring them over for, uh, you know, a better life, man. And, and exactly. We give, exactly. we give them more, we scrutinize them more than you do folks coming over here and we don't really know what they came over here for. You know what I mean? Like they, they are uh, actually in the country. No one knows why. And then something happens and it's like, Oh, we got to do something about this. So, you know, to be honest, man, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, I don't, 
leave those kids alone, man. They they didn't do anything to anybody. They're not hurting anybody. Um, so, you know, and then you talk about the human trafficking. Human trafficking is, is horrible, too, because shucks. You have individuals, some some men selling their own daughters into this new slavery. You know, so it's it's sad, man. It's sad. It's very sad. This is a sad world we live in. But it's got its upbeat moments as well. But definitely there's some sad things like that human trafficking. And you're right, it's just another form of modern-day slavery. And who knows what they're being sold into doing because, like I said, they might be doing some jobs that are, you know, definitely jobs that our folks don't want, meaning just people that have been in America forever. But there also might be jobs that are also very much um, dangerous jobs as well, whether that's being a drug runner or whether that's being a prostitute or a number of other things or even in the porn industry. So who knows what their kind of jobs they're going into that can also be very scary. Mhm. And you don't know, you know, don't know where they're going, where they're being taken to, and all those kinds of things. So it's just one of those things where you pray that they all get um, snatched up for those who are violating those those young children and women, and and and, and just giving them what they rightfully deserve. You know, in fact, there's a um, on April 17th um, on the couch with Dr. Diamond is having a, a human trafficking seminar that you can watch on YouTube. I'll post that on the page. But um, she's going to yeah. have Pastor Pastor Doctor, actually Pastor Doctor Gwendolyn Cook, who was supposed to be on the show with us last week, will share her. And she'll be on. And she'll be on the week after Easter because uh, we're t- okay. taking off that week. But she'll be on. The following week, so she will be on with us so, on whatever date that is. That'll I mean, be 12. April twelfth. So April twelfth should be on with us, and April seventeenth, which is that Saturday of the same week, that's when she'll share her experiences. That she's on the front line, so she's working with uh African, you know, saving African American girls from uh, human traffickers, and so she'll be on there with us Monday with Dr. Diamond on, on Saturday. So it, it's the it's the topic that's gaining attention now. You know, I guess for a long time, people um, kind of pushed it to the side and ignored it or what have you. But now it's getting out of hand. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah, yeah we've got to figure out a way to get things more in control and to get things more in hand, as you said, and everything. On a lighter note, and I want to hear some of this great music, so we're going to let folks hear a little bit of our music and everything while I get together and all of that. But on a lighter note, I know that on Zach's show yesterday, he was having a very important question. So I need you to play maybe about five or ten minutes of track. And this is an important question. It is not a deep question because, you know, even though we like having deep questions, we like having lighthearted questions as well. So after you do this five or ten minute track, Dean, I need to ask you, Godzilla or King Kong? Who wins? The movie is getting ready to come out, and I want to know from you which is the better of those, because that movie is getting ready to come out very shortly, and I want to know, are you a Godzilla person or a King Kong person? Is it the fire 
or the eight. So what's it going to be? And I need to know your thoughts on which one of those is the one that you're rooting for in the new movie that's getting ready to come out very shortly at all. We're going to hear the music and you can think about it. But I need to know, because he put me on the spot. Since he put me on the spot, I'm putting you on the spot. I need to know, Peacock or Godzilla? Bruh, you put me on the spot like right now, I would say King Kong, man. I, I just, I don't see what, I mean, Godzilla, you know, growing up, you saw Godzilla and he was kind of like swinging his tail and breathe a little fire and swinging his arms. And it's like, man, nah, I need something that's going to actually fight. Throw me, throw it somewhere, sling it somewhere, you know. I, I don't know. I'll say King Kong, man. Yeah, I think you might be right. I know that Zach is a Godzilla person. I think the fire is what got him. He thought it was the fire that would get him every time. But I'm kind of like with you. I think King Kong might be the winning ticket at everything. King Kong is very strong. They're both strong. But King Kong, at least, has got experience in being out there in the jungle and all of that. So I think King Kong might take him. But I think that that release is supposed to be coming out this week. Uh, like maybe even like Thursday or something like that. So definitely... I can see where it could be, but it's going to be a good battle either way. And I'm just glad that we're having a couple of things that are being released to the movies. And I saw a show that actually was interesting. It actually came on after the um, one of the NCAA games. And they may have done two episodes, but I saw the premiere episode. But they were doing some unusual casting. So I thought it was good and interesting. But it was one of those coming-of-age stories. And we know coming-of-age stories can be very popular. I mean, Happy Days was basically a coming-of-age story as well back in the old days and everything. But it's a movie called Chad. And what makes Chad interesting is that it is played, the lead boy or the lead actress, the actor, is actually played by a young Asian-American woman. So he's actually playing a boy and actually pulls it off. So when you first look at it, if you don't do the reading of the bios and do the reading of the storyline and this non-traditional casting, you would think she was a boy. I mean, she literally plays the role quite effectively. You can definitely put that whole thing out of your imagination and see her as a boy all day long in that role. I just happened to do some research and saw that it was played by a female. But if you did not do the research, you could definitely see it being played by uh, uh, an actual young man or young boy and everything. But yes, it's an actress who is an Asian-American, I want to say in her 30s and everything, but she's playing a teenage Muslim boy. So not just a teenage boy, but a teenage Muslim boy who is kind of uh, disenfranchised and is having those teen angst that teenagers have all the time, no matter what their nationality, no matter what their race or anything along that line. So I stumbled across it literally. It was interesting. I did see yesterday my second episode. I think it's the fifth episode totally, but it's my second episode of um, the new version of Equalizer with Queen Latifah. Like I think yeah. I said on this show before, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I thought that Queen Latifah did a great job in that role. There was also a movie and another TV series before, but definitely the, the plot line that they had was very interesting. It was a guy who had discovered a code that could literally decode anything. So he had discovered the quote-unquote God algorithm. And can you imagine somebody that had a code that could literally just, you plug it into your computer and it could decode anything. Like I think they said, well, decode the firewalls of NORAL, which is like a big um, international web thing and everything. And he popped it in there and sure enough, the whole NORAL scheme 
popped up onto the screen as if he had decoded in this fictional world. And it was also like decode one of those unbreakable federal governments and everybody's job description popped up. So it was kind of scary that if anybody ever comes up with that, it can be very detrimental, but also very scary. And who knows, there might be some people out there with that already. And I'm already scared to just have that thought that there might be some people who have that kind of capability that they just plug something in the computer and they got access to everything, including your bank accounts and whatever else. So there might be some people that have already got that because I'm not 100% sure what the heck is going on with Bitcoin. I know people are very big on Bitcoin, but since I don't quite understand it, I'm a little paranoid about it. But I don't know what your thoughts are about this whole concept of somebody could literally create something that could give them access to any and everything. They already had it. They already had it, man. So, you know, when you look at what maybe it maybe it's a lot of the truth coming out now, you know, because they've been using it for years. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I look at it like this. Leave me alone. I do what you do. I can only control myself, man. I'm not going to drive my... I'm not going to worry. You know, like, sometimes folks will worry themselves about, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. I just can't see it. That's good. No, and, but you're right. And a lot of times, the truth is definitely put out in front of us in our plain face and sometimes they mask it as entertainment so they might have been telling us the truth with the X-Files and they might be telling us the truth with this particular Equalizer episode and there have been some other shows that were either science fiction or crime dramas and a number of other kind of shows but they were probably telling us what they've already got out there they were just doing it in the form or fashion of fiction so that nobody panicked about it but like you said some of the things that they were putting in that story and in other stories, they probably already got it. And they're already telling us they got it just in case we want to get it twisted by putting it in that whole kind of concept of fiction. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So that's very, that's very much the case. So if you could, let's drop a couple of minutes of tunes and then we'll come back with another 10 or 15 minutes of a random thoughts and questions. But I need to... Uh, grab some bites of stuff that's been sitting in my house for a while and also just get my thoughts together. So if you can grab, drop about five or 10 minutes of tunes and we'll be back at about maybe 8.35 or 8.40 and we'll wrap up with some other quick random thoughts. All right, y'all. Let's straight talk with Dean and Mark. We'll be back in just one second.
All right. Some great music, and definitely I was enjoying those tunes. That's definitely the case. I know that y'all will probably enjoy them as well. Dean, I'm worried. While we were on the break, I was checking my social media, my Facebook account, and things of that nature, and I got a friend request. And I'm scared because of who the request is from. So like I said, I am very worried because I got a friend, I got a friend request, and the request was from I did not recognize the name because it wasn't like one of the known members of the family. And I don't even know if they have a member in the family that shares my name and everything. But it was a request from a Trump. So like I said, it said, it said Mark with a K, not with a C. Trump would like to be your friend. And I'm sitting there going like, I don't know. Are you related to the Donald? Why do you want to be my friend? And who are you? And all of that. So I'm going to look this person up and see who they are and everything. But I got a request to be a Facebook friend from a Trump. And I know that we're all Facebook friends with Donald Zuckerberg, you know, the founder of Facebook and all of that. But I did not remember any requests either wanted or needed from any member of the Trump family. But I don't know whether you've ever got a request from a Trump, but there's somebody named Mark Trump that wants to be my friend. So like I said, I'm worried. I don't know who he is or whether he's even related to the Donald or whether he's even related to that person that used to be at 1600 or whatever. Because when I look him up, when I look up the name Mark Trump on, you know, the internet, the Google is such a wonderful thing. I see a defense advisor who is in the cybersecurity and I see an associate professor of Christian ministries and I see an orthopedic surgeon out of St. Louis none of which say that they are related to that person that used to be at 1600. But that's the first three. Oh, and somebody from Odessa, Texas, that is a um, doctor of some sort or another. So those are the first four that come up and all of that. But just the last name was enough to make me panic because I was picking up my uh, regular phone. You know, it's coming off of the Gmail, Google phone and everything. So I was picking up my regular phone and possibly going to call in on that and making sure that it had charged during all of that time that I was out and about. And the first thing that I see is a note from a Trump. So like I said, don't think I want to answer that friendship request. I think the data telling me, uh, leave that one alone. Just don't, don't, don't drink the Kool-Aid. There's a, there's a <laughs> beautiful button that says decline on there. And you know what? Just, that's it. Decline. Hit, 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 hit decline. That would, that would be a decline. Hit decline. That is the best answer. But I thought Dean would get a big kick out of that. The fact that while I was while we were taking a musical interlude, I got a request to be friends with a Trump. So I'm sitting there going like, no, nah, that's okay. I think I'm bad. Yeah. I was also Let checking, pass, on, yeah. I was also checking on the basketball scores, and even though we haven't got to the Super Six yet, that won't be until about midnight tonight because we got two games. But in the first game. Right now, it looks like Houston is heading to the Final Four, or what I'm calling the Super Six, which means the two that win today and then head to the uh, Final Four and everything. But Houston is up by 15 points against the Oregon State Beavers. So they, they are in control right now, about 15 points, with like about 15 minutes to go. So plenty of time left in the second half, but definitely it's right now. Uh-oh. Looks like the call just dropped. So while we wait for Mark to get back in here, man, I'm going to drop another uh, 
couple of songs or whatever. Let me find something in here, and uh, we'll be right back.
apparently Mr. Trump didn't like the fact that we told him that we didn't want him to be our guest or our friend on Facebook because we got like kicked off of the phone and all of that. So I think that he pulled the plug on me. That's, 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 that's the excuse that I'm using and everything is that he got mad that we didn't want him and everything. But I'm just talking about how I did not like blowouts in NCAA. And next thing I know, I was talking to myself. So I'm going like, I think I'm talking to Dean, but I don't see Dean anywhere. And I don't know what's going on. And I think that I had got apparently the boot because I did not want to take Mr. Trump's personal request to be his friend, even though he might be a cousin of that person that used to be in 1600. So they got mad and they did something weird. <laughs> Set your phone up, Jack. They were like, yeah, all right. So you won't accept it? Okay, we got something for you. You know, they said they're going to get you, man. They got you. They're like, yeah, we got them now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be our friend? We're going to pull the plug on them. Yeah, we got some for you, Mark. We're going to start trying to call in to your other shows, too. Try to bust up there and do something to you, Jack. Yeah, they're just going to try to do all kinds of crazy stuff, but we ain't going to have that. We know how to lead a revolution and all of that, so we're not going to have that craziness. I did see, you know, I mentioned the weather earlier. I see that we had great weather today. It was like maybe around 60 or 70, and now it's in the 50s. How come it's in the 50s and I'm just now seeing that in the morning we're having a frost advisory? So, yes, we're in the middle of a frost advisory. I told you I didn't trust March and April weather. And apparently between 4 and 8 a.m. on tomorrow, they are saying that we could have that danger of the temperatures being in the low to mid 30s because that's what it is for a frost advisory. And apparently we're going to be in this frost advisory for a while because it says frost advisory in effect from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. on a Tuesday around the counties of Durham, Orange, Franklin. Uh, do I see Wake in that list? I do not see Wake, which is our county. Oh, no, there's Wake, Wake, Chatham, Randolph, and a number of these other counties. But um, it's definitely saying that uh, it's looking like there could be some frost, and that's just what's going to be lasting for a while because it says that's day one this afternoon and tonight, and then apparently we're in a frost advisory from uh, Tuesday through Sunday. So, like I said, the first week in April could be some of that crazy cold weather because it says another threat of strong to locally severe storms is possible Wednesday evening, Wednesday afternoon and evening as a strong cold front moves into the region. Much colder air will filter in behind the cold front late this week, Sub-freezing and low temperatures are likely both Thursday night and Friday night. What did I just say at the beginning of this show? you got to watch out for April. So April can be sneaky in the South, and it looks like they just gave me conclusive proof that April is being sneaky once again. Wow. Well, you, you never can tell when you think it's going to be. You get a couple of days of good weather, and then you get some weather that reminds you but it's still supposed to be cold outside. So, <laughs> you know, you could go out there with your shorts on and it's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But just be careful. Be careful. Because it'll, it'll change on you in a heartbeat. It's still, this is that time of year where people get really sick. Oh, yeah. And folks definitely got to be cautious. And I know, and this, you know, 
COVID is not adding to the situation because I know sometimes even if I get a, like a slight sniffle and everything, I'm afraid to go out with a slight sniffle because you know that everybody that hears a sniffle automatically thinks that it's the other thing. And it might just be simply a regular cold because that is the other viruses that exist as well. But, you know, everybody's got COVID on their mind and rightfully so. But at the same time, even if you get that simple common cold, you are worried about going outside because you're thinking to yourself, if I just sneeze, are people going to be thinking he's got that bug? <laughs> crazy, man. It's crazy. It is totally crazy. I'm sure you've even dealt with that because I'm sure that even when during this time, I'm sure that you probably had like just a regular cold and you've been sitting there going like, do I want to let them know that I've got a regular cold? Because then they might think that it's the whole one of the COVID variants or one of the other things that's going out there that is much more dangerous than the common cold. But definitely, I know a lot of people are probably like having that kind of attitude and everything. And then, of course, if you got the common cold, why are you bothering to put the mask on? Because then all you're doing is giving the cold germs back to yourself. You know what? I don't know. For me, I might just tell somebody, like, stay away, man. You know I got that shit. You know, just to keep them away from me. I, I, I don't like, you know, people have gotten real comfortable with standing up on you again. It's like, get your ass away from me. Like, move, man. Move back. Give me some space, you know. So, luckily, I haven't been sick, but if I cough, I will cough, too. Like, yo, get out of here. I got it, man. If you don't want to get it, you might want to move back. Somebody might say, well, why would you do something like that? But you know what? It's just I'm used to that six feet. I was doing that before because people just happen to walk up on you. Like, back up, man. Get off of me, man. Leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? Back up. And we'll be fine. But if you don't back up, then be prepared for whatever response I give you, you know. Now, that makes a lot of sense. We were actually talking about that on one of the earlier shows because the last show before jumping on our show and everything was Mullins Music and Memories. And we were having a conversation with people in the different abilities community. And they were talking about that, about how sometimes people will have certain reactions based on seeing the disability and how in some cases they might even play to that kind of reaction and everything. But as one of the people said, they just love the way that kids handle that because kids are naturally curious. They just want to know why are you the way that you are? So like if they're in a wheelchair, they want to know why are you in the wheelchair? If you got the CNI dog, why do you have the CNI dog? And their response was that they just wish that more of us had that kind of like natural reaction that kids have as averse to these kind of like shocking reactions or like reactions of aversion that some people have when they see people that are of any sort of different ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back up. Give people the space, man. They don't want you breathing all on them and looking all strange and asking all these weird questions. Hey, man, if you know me, you know I don't really deal with nobody being up close to me like that. So back up. Back up. Nobody yeah. wants to deal yeah. with you. We're not, we're not buddies like that. Move. <laughs> Just get back. Don't be dealing with the madness and all of that. Yeah, man. Like, come on. We 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 moved away from all up on people. You know, we look at folks now. Strange when they start heading to the stores. Like, uh, put your mask on, bro. Put your mask on, and they keep on walking. You want to. Some people do say stuff, but you know, I'm like, well, I'll wait till they come out of the store. 
You know, I'm not. So you're, I'm not you're not going to be the one that's going to try to bust them up there in the store talking about, like, why ain't you got your mask on or doing any of that kind of uh, Gestapo kind of uh, stuff. You're going to be more, if you're going to make a comment, you're going to wait till they come out. You're not going to try to make a scene into the environment and everything. There's no need, man. I, I don't care what you do, but just stay the hell away from me. I remember watching the movie Outbreak when it first came out. And that's, that's kind of like what this almost is. You know what I mean? I'm not, right. not going to fight somebody because they don't want to put on a mask or whatever. I just stay the hell away from them. Like, we'll be all right. We'll be okay. No, I agree with you on that. But I can tell you, there's one thing that I do not like, and my neighbors actually were guilty of it. Was, I don't think it was the neighbors. I think it was one of their buddies and everything, was when people bring their own personal mess into, like, public environments. I know I was doing one of uh, Eric's or one of my friend's public um, podcasts that I helped produce and everything. I think we had ended, like, around 9 or 10 or something like that. And then there's this whole argument going on outside my neighborhood because they one girl, because I think this guy had a couple of lady friends, but one lady decided to come rolling up at about midnight and yelling at people and all of that. And I'm sitting there going, like, I don't need this at this hour. I think like I said, y'all can carry that drama somewhere else. You know what? That's how people end up catching, like, lead jewelry, man. Like, you're making too much damn noise out here. You need to shut up. And then I said, well, why'd you go that route? Well, I was in there trying to sleep. All that down exactly. Take that silly shit somewhere else. You knew you weren't the only one. So don't try to act like, you know, the signs were there, you ignored them, and now you're mad because you're one of two, three, or many. That's your problem. Exactly. And it, and it was some of the neighbors that actually, like I said, I had just finished. Otherwise, I might have been joining the phone brigade as well. But a couple of the neighbors made calls, and then he had to deal with the man rolling up and having a conversation with him at like about midnight and everything. And like I said, the neighborhood didn't need that. They didn't really need that either. So sometimes you just better like have your chill out moments and have those conversations in private in your own company and all of that. Right. Nobody wants to hear it. But, that's very true. Nobody wants to hear your drama. Like I said, sometimes I think that too often people put their drama out into the public too fast, and when folks don't want to hear it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's what I've seen happen. Like I said, but Dean is that respectable person. I'm sure. Well, one, he and Miss uh, his lady, they never argue anytime. That they, they they are perfectly fine. They never have arguments. And if you buy that, I've also got some land in the swamp that I'll sell you for you to well, build your condo because I know everybody has arguments of one sort or another. No, nah, see, after a while, when you learn and, and you really learn the person that you're with, you don't argue over silly shit. You disagree that's with true. all of that arguing and all of that stuff, man. Nah, man, we've been together 20 years, and that's one of the things that – we didn't bring into this relationship that yelling back and forth and everybody has to be right. That's little kid shit. You know, when you grow up, yeah. you realize that, you know, we're not always going to think the same. We're two different. Exactly. But when you learn to come in the middle, and some people don't believe it because they sit in situations that are toxic. They sit in situations where I have to prove to be right or it's, it's my way or the highway you know, and they that's why they end up dying so early because they stress themselves the hell out and relationships turn to trash and, and you know, 
they they try to justify it. They'll say, well, everybody argues. No, they don't. You know what I'm saying? No, we don't. Give your lady some space. Ladies, give your man some space. Everybody needs that me time. And if you try to yep. sit there and, and hog up all of their time, then, of course, I will argue with you, too. But my goal is to get you away from me so I can have that time to breathe. You know, and, and they want to know when you're, you're going, where you're going, who you're going with, and all of this other stuff. Stupid. It's stupid. And that's why relationships don't make it. And and if you know, you really wanna take time to learn your, your other your other half. If you you're serious about being in a relationship with somebody and you wanted to go somewhere or to be something of value other than a pretty picture on the wall, then you take that time to get to know your your uh, your mate. And then you'll know what they like, what they don't like and then once you know that, man, it's like respect. I know you don't like this, so I'm not going to do it. You know, it's not, oh, I'm grown, I can do what I want, or, or something silly like that. That's just dumb. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because I was talking to a friend of mine, and actually he's going to be making an appearance on our show in the near future and everything, but he comes out of the theater world, and I was teasing him about how us folks that are in that single community, whether we're in the 50s or middle-aged single community or the young single community, that a lot of us were getting frustrated because there wasn't a lot of the single places to go to meet your people and everything, whether that's festivals, bars, or a number of other things. And my friend Irvin actually came back and said, yeah, but we've been having the opposite impact because he was saying that he had run across a lot of his married friends that during this COVID crisis had decided that now was the time for them to get divorced. And unlike you, that is still very much in a very loving situation, I think that they had too much time on their hands and learned the things that they didn't like about each other or they had to do it too often in that confined space and everything, whereas before they had a lot of separation time, whether it be work or whatever, and now they were all together. So I think that in their cases, the ones that Irvin was talking about, that closeness might have been too close because they might have gotten to learn more things about their significant other that they didn't want to learn just about their natural habits. I'm not even talking about like relationship habits, like whether they got side situations or whatever, but just like, you know, whether they were messy and the other person clean and vice versa, because now you got to actually put up with that crap. Well, again, that's on them and their fault for not taking the time to, uh, you know, instead of, hey, I got somebody on my arm, they never took the time to really get to know who they were right. with. So life goes on, and, and then if they have children, they focus on the kids, but they never focused on each other. So now the pandemic forces you to, and you're in that space. Some people say it's a confined space, but you know what? It's not really confined. Y'all confine yourselves. Everybody goes to the same room and plops down. So now right. they're looking at things that they don't necessarily like or hear something they don't necessarily want to hear, and then it becomes a problem. You still can have your me time, man. There are other rooms in your house. Unless you live in a tent, you have other rooms. And, and you know, you just it's just that's just how it is, man. Like, you complain yeah. and, and, and bitch moan and whine. What do you do to, to make it right? You know what I mean? So we got about 90 seconds left. Who's coming yeah, up, I, knew, uh, I knew we were winding down, and that's what I was hoping we were going to do was wind it down, and we did a good job of winding it down. What? Because I still don't know what the heck I'm doing for Easter because i got to get in touch with mom and my younger brother and us figure that out. But what are you and the missus doing 
for Easter as well as the rest of the family? Or do y'all even have any Easter plans? Because I'm still trying to figure mine out. But I know me and my family, we might not decide till Thursday or Friday if we decide to do anything. Because sometimes we're great planners and sometimes we decide to wait to the last second. But what is the Dean family going to be doing for Easter Sunday since we're taking Easter Monday off? I, you know what, I really don't have any plans. I know I'll be on the church service in the morning, but past that, man, there's going to be a couple of days of relaxation and just, you know, kind of kicking back, man. It, you know, it's not, still not travel ready yet. So, you know, we kind of just take it day by day. I don't blame you. That's probably what I'll do. Like I said, I might be here. I might be up in Rocky Mount with mom or something, but I'll figure it out as I get closer. I know I've got things going on all the way till Saturday and Sunday. So whatever I do, it'll be revolving around those activities and trying to figure out how to do them all together. And like I said, I'm still trying to figure it all out if there's going to be any plans or anything along that line. By the way, you'll be glad to know those of you that are watching, if you also care about sports, it has become a closer game. What I thought was a blowout is now only a six-point difference. So I was actually watching the scores go across, not watching the actual game, but watching the scores go across, and it's now 52-46 with seven minutes to go. So apparently Oregon is trying to clamp down on defense and at least trying to make it a close game. So that's a good thing that we're not going to have uh, no way another blowout because even if they were to crowd off another six or ten points, in a row and Oregon not do anything, it at least looks like it'll be a close game of under 10 points. So that's the kind of games that I'm always looking forward to as opposed to those blowouts. So it looks like we're going to have one, and I cannot see Arkansas and Baylor not giving us one. So it looks like we're going to at least have two of the four Elite Eight games being close, and I imagine the other two will be also. So I'm just glad to see that it's, hey, while I'm talking to you, it just became 52-48. So it's becoming closer and closer, tighter and tighter as this whole thing is going on. Dean, I know we're off next week. Tell folks what we've got going on in terms of our lovely network that we have created here, this powerful network, and also when they can see us in two weeks. Because in two weeks they're going to see us, as I've already alluded to it several times, that we're going to be off at least from this platform on next Monday. So definitely uh, let folks know about the amazing shows, and we'll wind it all down on that note as I'm just seeing the score get tighter and tighter, even though it's just been stuck at 52-48 for a while now. Okay, well, you know what, y'all? It's Straight Talk with Dean and Mark, Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to catch us, the replays on the Skyhawk Radio Network tomorrow and Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you miss those, we have replays on Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, CastBox, PodFollow, Deezer, GeoSaving, and right here, on Blog Talk Radio, where we are members of the Level Podcast Network, where you can catch exciting shows such as the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, Chef Gang Radio Show, Funk from the Front Seat, Funk Music with Zach, Learning Unwrapped, Let's K-12 Better, Marketing with Rush, a.k.a. Hashtag Rush Selfie, Mona Shake and the Minority Reports, Mullings, Music and Memories with Mark Lee, 
the online dinner party with Mark Lee, the Plant a Good Seed podcast, the Reinvention Road Trip, She's on Call, the Just Podcast, the Mark Lee Show, the Spin It Social Hour, Virginia Interfaith Live, WNC Original Music, and of course, Straight Talk with Dana Mark. Now, like I always say, when you walk outside your front door, it's showtime in the world is your stage. Just make sure that people are not watching the rehearsal. With that being said, it's the six-man Dean Geronimo signing off. Have an outstanding week. Have an outstanding Easter weekend. Have an outstanding next week. And we see y'all in 14 days. And in 14 days, we'll see them with one of the guests that Dean has brought to us. And that is this lovely lady that has been doing a lot of work around human trafficking and around the abuse that women have been facing in society. And it was actually just recently dealt with a tragedy in her company once again. And I'm sure that we'll be talking about that as well. So we're definitely looking forward to hearing from this amazing guest out of New Jersey. And like I said, I think Dean will give me the name one more time and everything, but he is apparently going to be appearing on a YouTube talk with Dean's wife as well. So definitely we're looking forward to that conversation in two weeks. So it should be an amazing conversation around some important issues that are facing our community. And if you could, Dean, just really quickly tell folks once again, the lady's name and the organization because you're the one that brought us to us. Well, that's Pastor Dr. Gwendolyn Cook and, and she'll be on. So she'll be on with us that Monday the 12th and then she'll be on to talk about human trafficking, stopping human trafficking with Dr. Diamond on the couch with Dr. Diamond on Saturday, April 17th at 1 o'clock. So we're going to hear all kinds of conversations from her, and I'm looking forward to that as well. By the way, you're going to have to tell Dr. Diamond that she can bring her show into our network as well. I have no problem with that as with the other partner and everything. I know that you probably already asked her, but tell her to bring it into our network as well. <laughs> I will do. Will do. Cool. Well, definitely we're having some great conversations, and I look forward to having some more. We'll have the online dinner party this Wednesday, and I don't know what the exact got on his table, but I will find out from him and all kinds of other great conversations. But until we do these other shows, I'm going to go get me some relaxation time. Because relaxation time, like Dean said, is important whether you're in a marriage situation or a single situation. It's always good to just have some me time and some relaxation time, no matter what situation you are in your life and no matter what kind of relationship you are in, whether it's straight or whether it's in that LGBT community or whether you're single or occupied, it's very important for us all to get me time. So, Dean, I'm off to give me some me time. All right, we see y'all 14 days.
Angie's List is now Angie, and getting your to-do list done just got easier. Between back to school and with the holidays around the corner, it can feel like there's no time to tackle home projects. Whether you need help with emergency repairs or major upgrades, Angie matches you with top local pros who can get the job done right. Browse reviews, see upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Save time for what matters most. Book your next project at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage is not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. See T-Mobile.com. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Where new stories meet tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami! And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage is not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. See T-Mobile.com. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Where new stories meet tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami! And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with a $3 medium pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusion apply. Valid on pumpkin spice signature latte only in all cold foam cold brew. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. 
We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage is not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. 